Today we're starting a new series. Uh, today we are jumping into the Gospel of Mark. It's a series called Simply Jesus. And um, the Gospel of Mark is my second favorite gospel. And that's no offense to Mark at all. He's, he's written a good gospel. But uh, Luke is my favorite. I won't go into all the reasons why Luke is better than, than Mark. But Mark is my second favorite. And it, it's, a really, it's a really, really good gospel. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about why we're going to do this. Like kind of how we got to this series and why I chose the gospel of Mark. And then I'm going to do just a little bit of an introduction uh, to the gospel of Mark today. But uh, I had something totally different planned for this August. Uh, like a, as late as June, I had a totally different series lined out in, in August. And um, we kind of did something last fall that I had never done before. And that's we, we did a 16-week series last fall, or maybe it was 18 weeks. I can't remember. It actually went into the new year just a little bit. And so we did the book of Romans. And most of my series are four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks. And, and I wanted to do Romans. And it's like there's no way you can teach Romans in four weeks. There's no way you can teach it in, in eight weeks. So you're going to have to do a long series if you want to do Romans. And so we did this long series. It took us all the way through the end of the year. And I liked it. Like I, I, I enjoyed that. I, I, I liked kind of having a text. And that's the text we're going to do this week. And then the next Sunday, that's the text we're going to do. I kind of enjoyed it. And it, it breaks all the rules of modern preaching. I'm going to say modern preaching because... Everybody now, like if you watch these church consultants on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, they're like, you know, people's attention spans are getting shorter. They're getting shorter. You got to, you got to be, got to, got to cut those sermons off, get them shorter, get them shorter. Because, you know, when I started preaching, it was a 22 minute attention span. You know why? That was the, that's what I learned in college was like, you got to preach 22 minute sermons because the average length of a sitcom is 22 minutes when you take the commercials out. So that's you got to preach, that's what people's uh, attention span is. And I'm like, if that's the rule of thumb, what do we do in the era of TikTok and, and, of, and of Instagram Reels and of YouTube Shorts? Like, my sermons would be one minute long, and I would just sit down. And some of you would be like, hey, that, I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, but, I mean, that's, I mean, like, we, we assume that people just can't, can't absorb information. People just can't sit for long periods of time and, and absorb a lot of information. Yet, at the same time, we're in this TikTok generation podcasts are more popular than ever before and those things are like an hour to an hour and a half long i'm listening to one right now it's two hours long and i'm like what do you have to talk about for two hours but i'm listening to all two hours of it because it's interesting enough that i like so we can engage for longer periods of time so i'm kind of like yep we're going to buck the rules a little bit and we're just going to talk about mark through the rest of this year and i think that's 19 weeks so this this is going i'm going to beat my last series and make this my longest series. So we're going to talk about Mark through the rest of the year. The other reason I want to do this, though, is because I got to thinking about, like, what do we need as a church? Like, is, is, like what, if I'm thinking about teaching and planning this, what, where are we in this season of our church life and what do we need? And I got to thinking about Hope Center, and we just opened up Hope Center, and we're having a lot of new families coming in with Hope Center. What's unique about Hope Center is it's not just the guys who worship with us, but their families are welcome to worship with us as well. And so we got a lot of new folks coming into the church. Uh, I'm meeting a lot of people that are moving to Tennessee. Tennessee's still a popular destination, and Columbia's still a pretty popular destination as well. So I'm meeting a lot of new families that are coming in that are wanting to know a little bit, like, what is this church about? Who are you guys? You know, they've seen a little bit online, but, but who are you guys? And then I just got to thinking about the culture in general. And, uh, you know, the culture in general, we, you know, biblical illiteracy is pretty high right now. 
because there's a lot of kids that didn't grow up going to kids' ministry or didn't, didn't grow up going to Sunday school, and so you don't know a whole lot about the Bible, and we get our information in 30-second bits. You know, like we get, that's where we get our news. We get our news from TikTok or we get our news from Instagram, you know, in these little 30-second bits. And there's a lot of weird stuff on the Internet. There's a lot of crazy... And I'm talking about Christian stuff. I'm not talking about all the other weird stuff. I'm talking about Christian stuff because the algorithms must read my bio and know that I'm a pastor. And so they feed me a lot of Christian content. They feed me a lot of sermons from other pastors. They feed me a lot of worship services. And about half of it's just weird. I'm like, what in the world? Some of it I'm like, oh, this is one of those spoof accounts. This is one of those parody accounts. And I'll click it and I was like, no, that, that's his account. He shared it. He thinks this is a good clip. You know, like I, it's just weird. And there's one I just started following. I was going to show you some clips, but I was like, it'll just get me in trouble. So you got to watch them on your own. Uh, it's called The Holy Nope. I don't know if you've seen this guy on Instagram, but it's a guy, and he just like, he's at a church, uh, it's an empty church, and he sits down, he goes, got my Bible, it's the Lord's day, I'm ready to hear the word. And then he does a clip of a crazy church service. And after about 30 seconds, he goes, nope. And, and it's, I mean, it's a, great, it's a great account. He's way more theologically conservative than I am, because uh, I've listened to some of his sermons, and I'm like, eh, I don't know if I agree with it. But it's a funny account, because he's just kind of taking what's out there and going like, there's some really, really weird stuff out there. And I thought, okay, what if we just did a novel thing? What if we just opened up the Bible every week and talked about Jesus? Let's just do that through the rest of the year. Because we've got a lot of new folks that may not know who Jesus is. We've got a lot of folks who may feel like you know who Jesus is. Or there may just be a lot of confusion about who Jesus is. Because you see all this weird stuff on the, on the internet. And it's like, what, who is this? Who is Jesus? And what did he do? And what did he say? And why does it matter? And that's what we're going to learn about in the Gospel of Mark. And I'm, that's why I'm calling it simply Jesus, because I want it to be simply a focus on Jesus and who he is. And the reason I chose Mark for that is because it's the shortest gospel. That, I mean, it is the shortest gospel. Okay, I don't like, you know, when I'm reading something, I don't like a lot of words. You don't need to describe, you don't need to take 10 pages to describe one character or 15 pages to describe what this one character did and I, you know, I'm looking at you Victor Hugo and other people like that and I love like this but like I mean there's you can get too wordy and Mark doesn't get too wordy Mark is, is 16 chapters barely 16 um, 678 verses he uses 8,000 less words than Matthew 6,000 less words than Luke and 4,000 less words than uh, John and so Mark is just like short and to the point. Like, here's the facts. Here's who Jesus is. Here's what you need to know. And he just like, like jumps straight into it. Um, Mark is a book that if you don't like to read, Mark is the gospel for you. Because you can read it in one sitting. You probably, I mean, you're probably not going to, but you can read it in one sitting. Like, and you're like, so I, don't, I don't really like to read. I'm not really a reader. Mark is the gospel. Or if you're wanting to know, like, I just want to know some basics about who Jesus is. Um, Mark is the gospel for you. It's, it's very, and we're going to do this throughout this series. We're going to kind of be going through, uh, I'm going to, I'm not really doing it a chapter at a time because it depends on how the stories flow, but 
I'm going to give you the reading in advance and say, hey, before next week, read Mark chapter 1. And then we're going to come together and talk about it. And then I hope in your small groups, you're going to talk about it in your small groups. Because small groups kick off today. And so most of the small groups, they don't have to do the sermon study. Most of the small groups do the sermon study. So basically, we, I just want to, like, several months of, like, well, let's just really intensely focus on who Jesus is. And just give me Jesus. Just simply Jesus. Some people will look at Mark, uh, and there's some criticism of it that it's too simplistic. I'm like, that's exactly what I want. I want the simplistic. Just, just tell me exactly who Jesus is. Just, you know, just give me the facts here. So uh, let's go into Mark chapter 1. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach one whole verse today. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. And uh, I, I just want to, like what I usually do when I teach through a, a text, uh, like a book, we're going to do a book study, I'll usually take the, the introduction because most books of the Bible have a little introduction, like I, Paul, I'm writing to the Romans, and, or, or I, Paul, I'm writing to the church in Ephesus, and you know, greetings and grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And like, so you get this little bit of information about who's the author and who they're writing to and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, well today I'm going to talk about the introduction to the book of Mark. So I'm just going to read, his, I'm just going to do his introduction. And so here's his introduction. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. He doesn't even get a full sentence in the verse. Like he just like, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And he jumps straight into the story. There's no birth story in Mark. You don't ever hear Mark preached at Christmas time because he, he skips totally over the birth story. There's no genealogies in Mark. He doesn't care about kind of connecting Jesus to his ancestors and showing you this and showing you that. He just jumped. There's no, like, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the word, you know, like, all, you know, John uses, you know, a whole chapter to kind of introduce Jesus. Mark just says, here's Jesus. Now, he says a lot in just a little right there. He says this is the beginning. He says it's good news. He says it's about Jesus. He says that Jesus is the Messiah, and he says that Jesus is the Son of God. And then he jumps straight in, like he's got to quickly tell the story. He jumps straight into the story. And as, as readers, we're looking and going, okay, well, why is this good news? And why is Jesus the Messiah? And what does that mean that Jesus is the Messiah? And why is he the Son of God? Or how do we know he is the Son of God? And Mark starts answering those questions in the first chapter. But... Um, and we'll kind of dig into that as we dig a little bit deeper. But if you want to know more about Mark, you can't learn it from the book. You've got to learn it from another book. Okay, so like, I'll give you this example. If I was to give you a book and say, hey, I, I ran across this book. I think you really enjoyed it. And I gave you a copy of a book to read. Most of you would not take it home and sit down and start reading the first chapter. What are you going to do? When you get, if somebody gives you a book or recommends a book, or let's say you go to Amazon, you pick out a book and you want to purchase it, what are you going to do? You're going to look and ask a couple of basic questions, and you're going to do it in pretty quick succession. You're going to want to know, who wrote this book, um, why did they write it, and what's it about? That's pretty much what you want to know, any book. Who wrote it, why did they write it, and what's it about? And you can find all of that on the, the jacket of the book. You, know, you, can read the, you can read the little back of the book, okay, there's the author, okay, that's what he wrote about. And, and they're trying to sell you the book, but it gives you some basic information about the book. Mark doesn't give us that in the book. And, and there's no jacket covers on, you know, the Gospel of Mark. So we have to dig just a little bit deeper to understand a little bit about what we're getting ready to read. So if you've got a good study Bible, you go to the introduction. There's, there's usually an introduction to the book, and we usually skip over that. Don't skip over that. Read the introduction. Because the introduction in a study Bible is going to tell you who wrote it, when they wrote it, uh, why they wrote it, what they said in it, 
that kind of stuff. So you look at that. So I want to give you just a little bit about Mark and, and what he wrote. Okay. So if you open up your study Bible and you open up the introduction and you're going to read about Mark, here's the first thing you're going to learn about this book. Number one, it was probably not written by Mark. <laughs> what? What do you mean it was probably not It's got his name on it. Well, it was written by Mark, but let me, let me explain. Um, Mark, there's nothing in the gospel that tells you who wrote it. Like, there's nothing in this gospel. If we just read the gospel, there's nothing that tells us Mark. The only place that his name appears is in the title. Okay, and he didn't title it. Um, we get that it was probably Mark because of church tradition. Because of 1st, 2nd, 3rd century church tradition, they generally attributed it to Mark. But they also recognized that Mark was a very close associate, and we do get this out of Scripture. Mark was a very close associate of Peter. And we also know that Peter's sermons are really close to the Gospel of Mark. Like if you look at Acts chapter 2 and the outline of Peter's sermon, that's the first Gospel sermon ever preached. You look at Acts chapter 10 and the outline of Peter's sermon, they pretty much follow the outline of the book of Mark. Or, I should say, the book of Mark pretty much follows the outline of Peter's sermons. So uh, what you really got here is that Peter heavily influenced the Gospel of Mark. So you can almost think of it as the gospel of Peter. He heavily influenced the gospel of Mark. Uh, his sermons probably provided most of the content for the book, and Mark arranged them into the book form that we have today. So he took, you know, the content he's using comes from Peter. Now, why is that important? Why does it matter if Peter wrote it or Mark wrote it? Why is it important? It's important because here's what you got in the gospel of Mark. You got a firsthand account. You got an eyewitness account. So everything that they tell about Jesus is not coming from somebody who read about Jesus, not coming from somebody who studied Jesus. Luke was a historian, so Luke had to go back and interview the eyewitnesses. But what you've got in Mark is someone who saw it all firsthand. And that's why it may be very action-oriented, because it doesn't, there's not a lot of words, uh, Jesus, there's not a lot of words in red in Mark, if you will, not like John. But it's very action-oriented. It just goes event to event. Jesus did this, and then Jesus did this, and Jesus did this, and Jesus did this. And so I think of it when I'm reading it, this is Peter recollecting the things that he remembered Jesus doing. And like, this is the stuff you really need to know. And this is the stuff I saw firsthand. There's more miracles in the Gospel of Mark than any of the other Gospels. Why is that? Well, it's a guy who saw them firsthand. If I had seen some of those miracles, that's probably what I would think to write about when I write, about, when I write the book. I mean, those are some pretty incredible things. So... Um, these are firsthand eyewitness accounts, okay? Second thing, now that slide, don't, don't, nobody took a picture of that, right? Because that'll probably get me in trouble on the line. Uh, I, I debated a long time. Do I say it's not written by Mark or do I? Anyway, uh, it was probably the first gospel written. So this gospel was probably written about 50 to 60 A.D., which means it was written 20 to 30 years after the death of Jesus. It's probably the first gospel. The reason we think it was the first gospel is because it looks like Matthew, when he wrote his gospel, used Mark. And it looks like Luke, when he wrote his gospel, used Mark. If you ever heard them called the synoptic gospels, that's a big fancy word that I had to look up. That means of the same view. And so Matthew, when he, when he, he had Mark as a source, and Luke had Mark as a source. So that means that Mark was probably the first gospel written. In fact, all but 31 verses out of Mark are repeated in Matthew and Luke. Okay? Third thing you're going to learn. It was probably written near Rome. Well, why do we think that? Well, because around 50 to 60 A.D., Peter was in Rome. This would have been just before his death. We know that Mark, if you go in, uh, 1 Peter mentions this, and, and uh, I, know, I think Acts mentions this, but you know that Mark was near Rome around this time. 
And we also have some clues that the gospel was written to Roman Christians, which is, I think, is very telling for, like, it's written to Gentiles. It's not written to a Jewish audience. It's written to a Gentile audience. And you got some clues in there, like Mark explains Jewish customs. And Matthew doesn't explain them because he didn't need to, because he's writing to Jewish people. And Mark uh, translates Aramaic words. And, of course, you wouldn't have to do that if you're writing to a Jewish audience. And Mark uh, talks a lot about um, persecution which at that particular time, the Roman Christians were facing a lot of persecution. So he talks a lot about persecution. It's, it's almost as if Peter knows that Peter is martyred. It's almost as if he knows that his death is nearing. And he like, i got to put this down on paper. Here's what you need to know about Jesus. Here's what you need to know about who this is. And here's what you need to know about his identity. And the whole identity is rooted in, in the first verse there, that, that he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God. And then he says... Why do I know he's the Messiah, the Son of God? Because of this story, because of this story, because of this story, because of this story, and it culminates with the resurrection. And so he, Peter's building his case as an eyewitness who followed this teacher, who followed this rabbi, and through following this rabbi became to believe that he was not just a rabbi, he was the Son of God, he was the Messiah, and he's building his case for why he came to that conclusion. That's why I love this gospel. Like If you're, if you're a skeptic going... I don't know. How do you know that Jesus really was the Son of God? Or how do you really know that he did the things that he did? This is, this is a great gospel to do that in. The last thing uh, that I mention here, and I've already mentioned this one once, but it, Mark was and is all about action. It's just, it's like he's in a hurry to get to the next story. It's just, I want to take you to this story, to this story, to this story, and it's all about Jesus. I want to show you a quote, and... Um, and we're going to, I'm going to, in the spirit of Mark, I'm going to end early today. So um, I want to show you a quote, and we're going to close with a song. But this is from uh, a commentary I was studying this week. That It's a great little description. It said, the book as a whole is characterized as the beginning. Wait, I missed one. I hit it too quick. Did I, did I delete one of my slides? I did. Oh, no, they're just out of order. Okay. <laughs> so I was fooling with the computer back there, and I should never fool with the computer. Uh, Mark's gospel is a simple, succinct, unadorned, yet vivid account of Jesus' ministry, emphasizing more what Jesus did than what he said. Mark moves quickly from one episode in Jesus' life and ministry to another, often using the adverb immediately. He uses that word 41 times. But here's the one I want you to see. The book as a whole is characterized as the beginning of the good news. The life, death, and resurrection of Christ uh, comprise the beginning of which the apostolic preaching in Acts is the continuation. Now, he's talking about chapter 1, verse 1, that in, in the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. I've always read that as Mark saying, this is about the beginning of Jesus' story. But this guy's saying, no, he's saying that this whole book this whole story of Jesus, his life, his miracles, his teaching, his death, his burial, his resurrection, this whole story of Jesus is the beginning of the good news. Chapter 2 continues in Acts. Chapter 3 continues in the first century. Chapter 4 continues in the second century in the third century. Like, like, the, like the beginning, the whole story of Jesus is actually the beginning of the good news. And I like the thinking about it that way because it changes the way that we think about our role in it. In other words, Jesus was not the end of the story. You know, like it began with his birth and it ended with his resurrection. End of story. That's the gospel. Now, what Mark is saying 
is that the, the beginning of the story is Jesus. The story continues still today. Jesus will write the ending, but the story continues still today. So we are still in the process of writing the story of the gospel. The gospel still continues through us because we are now, it's how do we live our lives? What do our behaviors look like? What do our actions look like? What do our words look like? How are we pointing people to Jesus? What are people reading about Jesus today through our lives as we continue to live out the story of Jesus? What, what are we building our lives on as we continue to live out the story of Jesus? So I want us to be thinking about that as we get ready to enter into this, this study together, and that's where your small groups are going to go this week. I just want you to think about the, this idea that we're the continuation of the story. Not Jesus was not the end of the story. He was the beginning of the story. When somebody is baptized, we always tell them, this is not the end of your journey of faith. This is the beginning of your journey of faith. And so we're still living the story. We're still living out the gospel. Let me say a quick prayer for us, and we're going to close with a song. Father, I pray that you help us... Uh, to, to live in such a way that people see Jesus through us, through our words, through our actions, through our behaviors, uh, through our kindness, through our love, our patience, our, our joy, uh, through our service to others, through our self-control, that, that people would see Jesus through us as we continue to live out his story. And we're thankful for this beginning. We're thankful that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, and uh, we're thankful that we can build our lives upon his foundation. And it's in his name I pray these things. Amen.